Welcome to LifePoint Church. Our mission is to glorify God and make gospel-driven disciples by engaging people in the unexpected joy of a life more and more dependent on Jesus. Genesis 1.27 and Genesis 2.18-25. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord, caused, Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. My name is Craig Fortunato, and it's my privilege to be uh, preaching here this morning for you and carrying us forward in this series. And uh, it is Thanksgiving week. Looking forward to some great time with family, hopefully you as well. Uh, as you know, many of you here who uh, worship here week in, week out, you know we're part of a preaching team here. So uh, I am one of four members, and me and uh, both Dale and I are here today, but the other two guys are out on Thanksgiving. And... As, uh, as we've been moving forward in this series, you know, they, as our preaching team that we meet, we meet every week, and uh, it was like uh, the other two guys were out on vacation. It was like they were packing their suitcases, getting ready to go, throwing their socks away, and they're like, hey, Craig, this week, make sure, when you're talking about marriage, make sure that you uh, define all the terms and uh, putting other socks away. And, and another thing, you know, make, make sure you talk about the purpose of sex. Make sure you do that, too. And I'm like, okay, uh, you don't... Okay, the purpose of sex, okay, and what is that that you want me to tell them? The purpose of sex while we're here in church. So uh, with that, I've been uh, moving forward through this week, eager to get this message to you. This is a series that we have been anticipating for quite some time as Wes kicked us off last week. And you can see the overview here of what we've been doing. And we started last week. If you missed last week's message, if you missed last week's service, please go back and check that out online. It'll be well worth your time. And as we put this series for you in front of you last week, we got a great response from each of, many of you saying how you were so... Help, this is so helpful to know where we're going and how we can be uh, preparing. And a lot of people are looking especially to week four about what, we, what God's Word has to say about singleness. You'll hear a little bit about that today, but mostly in week four, two weeks from today. Um, this is a series that we have been anticipating for some time, and really it's been in, uh, in development for over two years. Uh, and, and so today is week two, and looking forward to how we can move forward with this. Uh, and the guys uh, have been praying for me, and I know many of you have been praying for me as well. I want to look back real quickly to last week's message as we were able to see how God is helping us to reject two foundational lies. And Wes did a great job preaching about this. Uh, a lies mean love means agreement. And secondly, your sexuality is your identity. So we confronted both of those lies and were able to speak truth, as you can see here on the screen about what the Bible has to say what truth is. We are focused in this series that this has a big idea, a central theme of truth as we're walking through the scriptures. And that truth is being God-centered sexuality draws us into greater dependence on Jesus. God-centered sexuality draws us into greater dependence on Jesus. This is what we 
are really hoping that you are going to lock into and hold from when we leave this series in a few weeks, when we're all finished with it, that this is a truth that reigns true for you. And all of us have to grow in greater dependence on Jesus. This has found its way, you'll find that it sounds very familiar if you've been around here for some time now, in our mission statement. Our mission statement is that we exist to glorify God by making gospel-driven disciples, engaging people in the unexpected joy of a life more and more dependent on Jesus. That's right where God wants us to be leaning on him in great faith and dependence upon Jesus. So that's where this series is being constructed. We felt like it's important. Normally that we preach, normally we preach through the books in the Bible, and that's something, a value that we hold true around here, but there's times where we need to go at uh, a topic in particular, and this one is uh, specifically important to be going in, in topic form so that we can find and address the issues of the day specifically with what God's Word has to say to it. So that's what we're doing with this series, and we're looking forward to uh, moving forward with you in that. So I also want, before we get moving too far, I mentioned that a lot of you were interested in the singleness topic, and we sent out an email this past Friday, and if you did not receive that or you've not responded to that, and you are single here in the church, we are curious and, and desire to know what your experience is like. So you can scan this QR code off the screen now and make sure that you take a quick, a very quick survey because we would like to have your opinions and your feedback of what it's like to be single in the church. If you're 12 years old or if you're 112 years old and you're single, we're curious about what it's like to be uh, single in the church. Because a lot of times for those of us who have been married, uh, I've been married for 28 and a half years to my lovely bride and we can have blinders on. We cannot maybe see everyone's perspective and it'd be helpful for us to know um, what it's like to be single in church. So please do that for us. Um, before we get started, I just want to let you know that uh, this, this, this message in particular and the series is something with you in mind. And when I say you and mine means that we all have something in common. We all have a great need for the gospel and to grow in the gospel. And we're all created as sexual beings, as we're going to hear in a little bit here. And so not all of us, not any of us, have arrived in how to be able to behave properly as sexual beings. So there's people in the room here who uh, have never been married. There's people in the room here who have been married. There's people who have been divorced, remarried. Uh, there's people who have no intention of being remarried again. There's people who have been widowed. Uh, there's all sorts of different categories of people here in the room that we arrive here together. And I want you to know we've been praying for each and every one of you. Well, we know that you have unique needs, you have unique history, uh, you have some things that people, no one else even knows about. You have your own secrets. And uh, I want you to know that I'm praying that as we go forward together that by God's grace, He can meet each and every one of you with your unique story where you're at in a very special way. It was prayed beforehand, before the service started this morning, that people would leave change to become more like Jesus after they hear the message here today and worship together today and pray together today. So please know, uh, we desire to see that uh, all people in the room are at different places, and I want that to be, we talked about this last week, when I, when I asked that you would move forward and respect that there would be no chanting or standing up and rawing the fist and saying, give it to them, you know, we want to be, because there's different people in different places in the room. Um, which I'm excited about that all of you are here to hear this message. All sorts of different people. So with that said, let me start off with a little bit of a light moment here. Not everyone is supposed to be married. Not everyone is called to be married. Certainly. We know this because Jesus led the way, and after him, Paul led the way. Both of them were single and were very meaningful for the gospel to go on forward. We have people in, our, in this room, even here right now, we have people who have been lifelong single. They have been living single for some time. 
There's a funny story, a funny line here from somebody at a different church, a man who was laughable and in his 70s, he's a bachelor, he never married. And so the pastor pulled him close and said, hey, how come it is that you have never married? And he quips back and he says, in my case, the desirable has always been unattainable and the attainable has been undesirable. <laughs> he goes on to say, I'd rather go through life wanting what I don't have rather than having what I don't want. <laughs> people have their reasons. People have their reasons why they're, or they're single and there's people, reasons why people get married and some are good and some are honorable and some are not so good and not so honorable. I look back in the 50 years, in the 50 years I've seen a, a great occurrence happen to this nation, a, a terrible occurrence, I would say, that in the past 50 years, marriage has gone through a meat grinder, specifically in the United States. Back in 1970, California was the first state of the United States to adopt the no-fault divorce law back in 1970. And now every state has adopted it. And we know that divorce has uh, risen to above 50% standards. And that's representative of not just outside the church, but inside the church as well. It's been painful to see that. As we preached through the book, last, uh, our last series in the book of Malachi, we heard about how God hates divorce. So, uh, and you can see how it happens, uh, how it hurts his heart to see how Divorce is, is broken, and you'll be able to see, hopefully by today's, end of today's message, why God so desires that people, man and woman would not separate. <coughs> Marriage is a gift of God. It's a gift of God. And it is not for everyone. It certainly is not for everyone. It's not supposed to be for everyone. So you're going to hear things today that you maybe not have heard spoken in this room before. Uh, we're going to talk about sex. We're going to talk about marriage. And it will be uncomfortable. It will be very uncomfortable for you sitting there, especially if uh, maybe you are a guest or uncomfortable. Maybe you brought a guest. And, um, but just know that with certainty, there's no one more uncomfortable with this topic and me talking than my dear wife in the front row. <laughs> and my youngest daughter who was visiting. <laughs> and my youngest daughter who, my youngest daughter is my first to branch out and get married next summer, so. Engaged to get married, so. Yeah, proud of you, baby. I'm glad, glad that you're here to be with us. and Hope this message isn't too difficult for you. Before I go any further, I want to stop and just pause. And a lot of us may feel like we have the correct answers uh, all ready to go. And let's see if Craig can get it right. Um, I just want us to pause and I want us to be still and, and to listen to God's word here today and uh, be referenced to God's word. Some of us are six weeks old as a believer in Jesus. Some of us have been walking with Jesus for 70 years, married for 66 years. We're on different spots here. But I do pray that the reading and preaching of God's word today would find itself uh, with a new, a new breath in your, in, your, in your nose and in your lungs, that you'd have new eyes to see and be equipped to be able to stand for truth uh, in your homes and in the marketplace. Uh, 
He's with us. He is with you. So with that, let's move forward together. All right, I got a question for you. Who can be married? Who can get married? We're going to look to God's word for the answers to these type of questions, okay? Who can get married? And it was read for us already by Phil, but I'm going to repeat it for us. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay, that's Genesis 1:27. This is the John 3:16 of the Bible in regards to marriage. This is the go-to verse. This is what you want. There's so much found within this, this verse by itself. Um, but in order to get things understood a little bit better here within the room, let's, go, let's come to an agreement of definition of terms for our talk here today, okay? And I want to briefly go through these because I've got a lot to get through. So sex, we're going to define as refers to a person's biology, chromosome, and sex organs. So this is what it looks like when the, doc, when, the, when the mom, mother is pushing out that baby and that doctor catches that baby and it says, we've got male genitalia here, we've got a boy, we've got a male. Same thing, female genitalia out of the baby, out of the mother comes a, a girl, a little baby girl, a female. So it's assigned, it's easily defined by what you are given, just as God, as we have read, just as God made us in his own image, he made us with specific design. Each one of us, each one of us are image bearers of Almighty God. Each one of us, whether we agree or disagree, each one of us is image bearers. And so sex refers to a person's biology. Now gender, it gets a little bit fuzzy, and it's been getting fuzzier and fuzzier as time has gone on. I remember even being a human development and family studies major back when I was in college, back in the 90s, even this question got lots, I mean this word got lots of questions from students. So either the male or female division of a species. Gender is either the male or female division of a species. There is a lot of different definitions I looked out throughout the, um, as I did my research, and this is the one that I was happiest to present before you today. I will say that one of our, um, one of the people that we really look to for a lot of help with Stand to Reason, Stand to Reason is an organization out of California, and it's one of our, one of our discipleship training modules has been partnering with Stand to Reason. Uh, that's led by Dr. Tim Gates and Doug, Dr. Doug Clark. They'll be doing that at 11 o'clock today. And they've got my notes. They're gonna be going through it today. Uh, with you, those of you who joined that, that group. But Alan, Alan, his name is Alan Schleman, uh, is a, their resident of, um, authority at Standard Reason on focusing on gender and family and, and marriage. And so what, what Alan has to say here um, is that he has, he's written an article just back in September, a very recent article, and saying why I've stopped using the word gender. Because it's so important to define the terms. He says, it's, if you're gonna use the word gender when you're talking to somebody, you need to define the term and how you're referring to gender. Because it can be used against you very quickly. So he has written an article, I'm trying to separate myself from even using that word. So sex, he uses sex uh, quite a bit, and then he also uses this last term here, which is gender identity. And gender identity refers to a person's internal psychological perception of whether they are a man or a woman or something else that we've seen in the last five to 10 years. People are stretching and looking for ways that they can identify themselves. This has their psychological perception in perspective. Everyone has this this gender identity. And it is, it is scripture teaches that our gender identity, which is our psychological belief about what gender we are, should follow our biological sex, okay? Should follow our biological sex. Since there are only two sexes, there are only two options. If we're born biologically male, we should identify as a male. If we're born biologically female, we should identify as a female. 
And I'm going I'm to try, in effort of time, I'm going to read Alan's uh, words here in the rest of his article that I think would be much more concise than me trying to communicate it. So listen to what Scripture uh, continues to say here. And Scripture says, however, does, what Scripture says, however, does not deny the reality that many people experience a range of psychological beliefs about their gender identity. Of course, some biological males perceive their psychological experience to be female. Of course, some biological females perceive their internal state as both female and male. Of course, there is tremendous variation in how people experience their gender identity. God is not surprised by this reality. He does, however, anticipate the tendency of some people to accept the incongruence of their biology and gender identity as who they are. That's why when scripture talks about people crossing gender boundaries, example, a biological male who attempts to take on a female gender identity, it describes it in a negative light. For example, the Mosaic Law. The Mosaic Law in Deuteronomy 22.5 says, A woman shall not wear man's clothing, nor shall a man put on woman's clothing. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. God made men and women different and laid down this law to maintain the distinction between the sexes. The New Testament also addresses this matter. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, cautions the Corinthian church from accepting unrighteous activities, including, there's a longer list, but including effeminate behavior. This word is translated from the Greek word malakoi, which literally means soft men. It refers to men who act like women through their mannerisms, dress, makeup, and sometimes even castration. Paul, as if predicting what the church will face in our generation, warns that some believers will be deceived into thinking that crossing gender boundaries is no big deal. Indeed, there are now even Christian organizations that affirm such beliefs, which is why this topic is, is, this topic is essential to understand. But let me offer an important clarification. If you are male, this does not mean you must model yourself after the typical 21st century American male. Many of our gender stereotypes come from society, movies, fashion, school, and so forth, and are not biblical. For example, if you're a male and you don't like football, fast cars, or french fries, it doesn't mean you're not manly. If you prefer art or playing the flute, you're still a man, not any less of a man. He gives on the example of the same thing for being a female. If you prefer sports or going to the gun range, you're not any less female. You are not required to follow these gendered typical norms created by culture to qualify as a woman. God is our creator. His word is our guide. We should take our cues from him. I'm going to stop there. Much more good things to find and many, many articles on Standard Reason. You can find those there. I read all that they have, and I felt like that was one of the two that I think was most appropriate for today's message. So we have these different terms that we have, and moving forward, um, I think it's important to know that from the Old Testament through the New Testament, God has an unchanging specific design for marriage. Sex difference is an intrinsic design for God-centered marriage design. Sex difference is, is crucial, it's needed to be in congruence with the intentional intrinsic design of a God-centered marriage. We've, we've drafted this marriage uh, summary statement, a marriage summary statement that I think is helpful to understand what God's Word synthesizes down for us to understand better how to move forward. Marriage is a lifelong one-flesh covenant, union between a male and a female. Two sexually different persons from different families, united with the purpose of telling God's story of creativity and covenant faithfulness, and sexual relationships outside this covenant union are sin. Okay? I'm going to leave this on the screen for you for a minute here. In Genesis 1.27, we see that God has created us. We are made in His image. He is the creator. He is the God. We are the ones who have been made. We have been made in His image. We have been made in His likeness. Male and female, He has made us. This informs our statement that the marriage is between a male and a female, a man and a woman, 
one-to-one. Different, yet similar. We are created in a binary, male or female. Recently, our culture has taken definitions into their own hands to try and make sense of their difficulties. This is not God's design. We were made in His image. We are created and we are not the creator. And I think people really need help through this. So I want you to be paying attention. There's going to be opportunities for you to get help at the end of this message here. And so be preparing your mind of how you can, what God is leading you to be doing next. Now, when sexual relationships outside the covenant of marriage happen, this is called sin. This is where sin occurs. I'm going to give you a list of some, but not all, of what this can look like. And I've seen in my, uh, even my 19 and a half years of ministry here and 10 years of ministry before that, I've seen many of these occurrences. I'm not going to list them on the screen. I'm going to read through them pretty quickly. There's a, a, a several of these that are just hard to say, hard to hear, but they're all found here in God's Word, okay? So I'm going to, what, I, what I'm sharing with you is, is not anything outside of what is in between your covers of your Bible, and I've got references to prove it, okay? So when sexual relationships outside the covenant of marriage happen and, and sin develops is when people have sex outside of marriage. When people have sex outside of marriage. Exodus 20, verse 14, tells us about this. This is sin, when people have sex outside the covenant of marriage. That's a broad statement. It gets a little bit more specific. When a man has sex with a woman outside of marriage, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 18. When a man has sex with a woman outside of marriage, 1 Corinthians 6, 18. When related people have sex, this is sin. Leviticus 18, 6 through 17. When people of the same sex have sex, Romans chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. When people have sex with animals, Leviticus chapter 18, verse 23, that's sin. When a husband or wife has sex with someone else outside their covenant and union, this is sin, Romans chapter 7, 2 and 3. When a married couple has sex with other people with consent, when there is consent and they have sex with other people outside their marriage covenant, this is sin. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. And lastly, when a person views pornography, this is sin. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 through 28. Our sexuality, folks, is broken. Our sexuality is broken. Any desire, be it heterosexual, homosexual, pansexual, of our sexuality for something outside of this design needs the grace and needs the redemption of Jesus. And only Him. Only Him. Only He can provide the grace and redemption that we need as broken sexual creatures. Each one of us. Each one of us. Some of us are hypersexual. Some of us are hyposexual. Some of us are, are actively sexually immoral. Some of us haven't had sex in years and years and years. Each one of us have a sexual brokenness that needs the grace and redemption of Jesus. Now I want to read to you the second passage that we have heard for us this morning. And this is a passage that I think is uh, where we get to see the first wedding happen. We get to see the first surgery happen. We get to see the first miracle happen. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 through 25 reads like this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Now just pause right there. Everything that after each day of creation, the Lord declared that it was good. This is the first time it's saying, he is saying, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper for him, fit for him. I will make a helper fit or suitable for him. 
Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to all the birds of the heavens, to all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So imagine with me what that would be like. If you were the only... Adam is by himself with all of these animals. He's been tasked to name them all. He's, he's got authority all, over all these animals, birds, fish, animals, livestock and wild. But he is alone. Each animal has its pair. Each bull, a bull elk has its cow elk. A male lion that has his female lion on down the road. And he gets to see these birds flying through the air, chasing each other. Defying logic with how quickly they're, they're beating their wings and turning and chasing each other in true love. They each had its pair. Now something powerful happens here. There was no... And Adam, there was no found a helper for, fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. This is more than a Sunday afternoon nap here. This is a deep sleep. And so God starts to do surgery on this man. And he took one of the ribs, really opened up his side, is really what this is supposed to mean, and closed up its place with flesh, and he took that rib that the Lord God had taken from the man and he made into a woman. So he makes, he fashions this woman together and then he does something beautiful. God brought her to the man, which is very similar to what happens down this center aisle on weddings when the father brings the bride to the man. And then the man says this. This at last, this is the first poem in the whole Bible. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this moment now that God is presenting Eve, this woman, to Adam and bringing her to him. And I can just imagine what Adam is thinking at this moment. I am no, there's somebody walking like me. There's somebody with hands that are, that are like me. And I look, if I'm Adam, I'm looking. I connect with her eyes. And I feel like she sees me and I see her. Something very mysterious is going on here. Something very beautiful is happening here. It's quite a gift that God has just brought to this man. And he says, "Is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This is beautiful. This is beautiful that God does not want man to be alone. Certainly not alone outside of community because now we're going to see in verse... Uh, in 128, we get to see how what God asked for, what God is blessing them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over all the fish and the sea and the heavens and every living thing that moves on the earth. God is blessing them. He has a plan to create community and people through Adam and Eve. So this is a beautiful spot. This is a beautiful spot. And in this gift, God brings one woman. He doesn't bring another guy, he doesn't bring two women, he brings one woman. He brings one woman. This is God's design for marriage. And it makes me think about when I bring together, by God's grace, I'm asked to do weddings. Think about what this says when the preacher stands up before you at a wedding. What does he say? He says this, we are gathered here in the presence of God and the fellowship of this community to join together this man and this woman in marriage. 
Marriage is an honorable estate instituted of God and signifying mystical union which exists between Christ and his church. You're gonna hear a lot more about that next week. Marriage is a covenant of faith and trust between a man and a woman. Therefore, it requires both man and woman to be open and honest and free from doubt and suspicion and a commitment to speak the truth and love as they mature. Marriage is not to be entered into unadvisedly, but reverently, discreetly, counting the cost and in the fear of God. Into this marriage, these two people come now to be joined. And then he goes on to say, marriage involves separation and union. This couple leaves their dependence upon their families and cleaves to each other. And then they quote, then we quote the verse, Genesis 2, 22 through 24, that we've been focusing on here today. This is what happens in marriages. This is what happens in weddings. It's something very solemn, very permanent is happening between a man and a woman by God's design. Oftentimes a married couple will want to be able to uh, ask to do their own personal vows with me. And I say, yes, I will, I will permit that. You can do your own personal vows, but we are doing the traditional ones. We're going to do the traditional ones. Oftentimes with the personal vows, you get these, you know, the long stories about the first time. Remember the first time our legs touched and we wouldn't move for 45 minutes? And, <laughs> and, the, and the whole congregation is patient with them as they get through their memoirs. But listen to vows here. Listen to vows. I took this one out of uh, the Abbey's wedding, so be patient with me. I, Josh, take you, Shannon, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse. Oftentimes I get people in my, my office who are 15 years married, and it's for worse. They're at worse. And this is when we need to remember our vows. Vows that we make to one another before our friends and family and before Almighty God. That when it gets worse, when it gets hard, we're going to stick together. We're going to push harder. So for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. No one thinks about these realistically when they're getting married. In pre-marriage counseling, you know, I tell them, you know, it's going to be challenging and they nod their heads. Yeah, I know, it's going to take work. Like, you don't even know. <laughs> you don't get it. And you're not supposed to get it right now, but trust me, it's going to get hard. And work is going to be challenging, and you're not going to want to work. You're going to want to ignore and avoid and get back to love and to cherish till death do us part, according to God's holy ordinance. And to you, I pledge my faithfulness. To you, I pledge my faithfulness. This is what happens in a wedding. This is what happens when we get to see this beautiful miracle union between the first man, the first woman, Adam and Eve, and it's beautiful. Now let me ask another question. Let's ask a question. This is the last question I'm asking. What is the purpose of sex? What is the purpose of sex? What would, how would you answer that question? Don't answer out loud. <laughs> But think about it. What is the purpose of sex? Well, we had the answer. I gave you the answer already in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 28, right? 128. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So procreation. We know that to be a purpose of sex, to procreate, to have a family. There's no better place to have children than with a mother and a father. Uh, guiding them, loving one another and loving Jesus as the center of their lives. There's no better place, and it's a beautiful blessing of God. Genesis 1.28. Secondly, what is the purpose of sex besides procreation? It's pleasure. The Song of Songs is full of it. It's complete with it. You'll be able to see lots there for you to read much of the poetry of how beautiful uh, the act of a man and woman coming together. And there's no better place for that to happen than for the first time on their wedding night when they come together and they say, this is all of me. 
for all of you and reciprocated. And in that safety of that union, something beautiful happens. And that's number three, a oneness. A oneness happens. A bond is created forever when two people come together in the beautiful covenant of marriage where they have trusted God at his word that his way is the way. His way is the only way. The world does not follow what this has to say. They, they have jettisoned God and his word quickly. But for those of us who have found life in Christ as new creatures in Jesus, there is truth here. And it's for our opportunity to share this truth, this beautiful gospel, with the world that desperately, desperately needs it. And how we share that gospel is with love with love for our fellow image bearers. So let me say this again, that our big idea here of this series is God-centered sexuality draws us into a greater dependence on Jesus. A greater dependence on Jesus. Much greater. As I think about this sermon, as I think about my counseling when I'm with some of you and I'm, and I'm trusting God, I'm just... God, I need you to show up. This couple, they don't want to be married anymore. They're going to divorce. Or there's been times when I'm in premarriage counseling and I'm like, I don't think these two people should be getting married. I need your grace. I need, I'm depending on you, God. I'm acting in faith that you are going to bring glory to yourself and how we make decisions going forward, trying to make the best decisions by God's word. This is our, our way of maneuvering through this life and helping people. Helping our neighbors, helping our family members, guiding them in the grace and truth of Jesus. Let me do this. I'm gonna give you some, some, some applications. Okay. For married couples, I'm gonna start with you first. For the married couples in the room, I want you to consider joining our marriage DTM. It's called Love Like You Mean It. It happens right after this worship service at 11 o'clock. And you're welcome to come and join people and uh, other married couples in there of caring for one another and growing together and learning how to be uh, disciple makers through our marriage. Uh, this is a great, a great step for many of you to be considering taking if you haven't done so already. Secondly, pray for one another. Couples, you need to pray for one another. Spend time praying together deeply, like three and five minute sections of prayer together. Pray together, faithfully. Date one another, date one another. And it doesn't mean you have to spend 80 bucks on dinner and 30 bucks on a, on a movie. It means going for a walk together. Be faithful, spend time together. Men, pursue your wives, cherish them. More of that next week. Date one another. Pray with one another. Lastly, for you married couples, uh, reach out to one of us pastors to help you to find a qualified counselor if you need that. Okay, now an application for all of us in the room, for all of us. Remember the memory verse that we are going through in Hebrews chapter four. Remember this memory verse. We got little bookmarks for you out in the foyer. Commit this verse to memory. It's a beautiful verse to help motivate you going forward. Secondly, Parents, how do you talk to your children about sex? This is a good reference for me. This is the homepage of this website. Uh, it is birds-bees.com. You can sign up for some tutorials on how to talk to your kids about sex if you need help with that. This is referenced from several of our people that are young, um, young parents right now. Been quite helpful to them. Birds-bees.com. Thirdly, uh, you have a digital connection card available to you. Um, it's online on our website. The front page of our website says digital connection card. Hit that bubble and you go to this page. And you can get a confidential prayer request to the elders. You can identify which elder you want it to go to. This is always available to you every day of every week. This is on our homepage. You can go there. You can go there right now if you like or later on today. But let us help you and come out of quietness, come out of secrecy, and let us help you, whether it be with your marriage or with your sexuality. We're here to be of assistance to you and know that we are not looking to judge you we are looking to assist you to help you to guide you to pray with you to encourage you 
We're here for you, okay? And lastly, uh, right after the worship service, in the fireside room across the hall, I and other elders will be available over there to discuss, just like we did last week. We had a great showing last week. Um, comments are shared, questions are asked. Different people, not just elders, are giving answers. It's a, it's a discussion format. So something to uh, consider that we're doing each Sunday after we preach this series in the fireside room. It'll be available to you. We'll start at 11. It's very soon here. Okay. Um, please know, please know that we are for you. And if this has probably, for many of us in the room, uh, the years that we have lived, it has brought to mind, uh, unearth some sexual dysfunction, some sexual sin that we regret, that we wince at, that we flinch at, that we wish wasn't there, and we wish people didn't know about it. But we know God knows about it. If you have yet to repent from that sin, do so now. Repent quickly. Turn from your sin. Turn from your, privacy, your private sin. And don't try to go about it being alone. It was, good. it was not good for Adam to be alone. And so the very next best move is to bring in a woman to start developing community. Uh, we have community now. We have community. We look across the room. We have community now. Uh, some of us have our partner for life, and that's a good spot. That's a good thing to have. But not all of us are called to be married. Um, and so we have each other. You're not alone. Let us come alongside you. Let us serve you. Let's figure it out together. There's many things that we have heard that we will not be shocked by, what you have to share. Um, we love you. We love each one of you. Uh, young and old, and everywhere in between. We're here for you. Um, we're, we're trying to do courageous things here by sharing what we can from a, a one-way message of preaching God's Word to you and sharing what, we've, what we believe to be true. Um, but there's many other formats that are needed to, to help you be equipped and to grasp fully the, God's truth. And, and that could be in the fireside, that could be in Clear Thinking Christianity DTM with Tim and Doug. Uh, maybe it's the Marriage DTM. Maybe it's Disciple Makers DTM with Brad Miller. Um, your life groups throughout the week. We have many different venues and formats to help you. So know we're ready. We're here. We're ready to talk about it. We don't want this to be a church where you grow up and you have attended and you're like, oh, we never talked about sex. We never talked about marriage. We never talked about these important things. We never talked about who marriage is for. Marriage is uniquely designed for a man and woman to come together and to have marriage, to have the opportunity to have a family. Should God bless that. So with that, I want to ask, um, I'm really over time here, but I, I think this would be important. If you, I want to pray for our married couples. And so if you are married, would you please stand and would you please, if your spouse is near you, would you hold their hand as I pray for the marriages in this church, in this room? Some of you uh, don't want to be standing with the other. Some of you don't want to be holding hands with the other. But I'm asking you, would you please do so? Let's pray. Father in heaven, We pause before your rich throne of grace and holiness and love. And we ask that God, as you see these marriages standing in the room before you now, some have had terrible years this year. Some have had terrible years in the past, but by your grace you have done a miracle. You did it. You did it. Each one of us is in need of a miracle of forgiveness from you. You did it through your son, Jesus. You did it through your son, Jesus. So, Father, I thank you so much for the work you've done in my life, the work I've seen you do in people in this room's life, Father, I can even think of, of, of a good friend of mine 
good friend of mine was living a homosexual lifestyle and repented of that sin, left that sin, trusted you, and has found themselves married with beautiful family and children and a beautiful heritage and a beautiful ministry. With you, all things are possible. You can do anything. Father, there's people in this room who, who feel like, well, maybe God can do it for that person, but not for me. I just pray that, God, that you'd speak truth into the lives of these people, that you can do all things. And we can do all things through Jesus who give us strength. So for the marriages in the room, God, those people are standing here, I pray for uh, protection from the schemes of the enemy that seeks to bring, uh, bring up uh, a past that's already been forgiven. May we walk in the grace and the truth and the love that Jesus provides each one of us. And I pray for each, not just protection, but I pray that for these couples would have a rejuvenated life in prayer with one another, where they could come together and, and seek to be, uh, to be prayed for and, and to pray for the other. Would you make something powerful happen that our, our marriages would be defined by an openness of prayer and love for one another? When people see our marriages, would they see a brilliant light of hope that only you can provide? Father, would you make us just ambassadors of love to go in great love together to our, our neighborhoods, our families this week at Thanksgiving, that we would operate in great love towards people. Um, and it may begin with praying for these people. Um, so I pray for the marriages in this room, God, that you would sharpen them, that you would love them, that you would esteem them, and that we would continue to walk forward in the vows that we have given one to another and protect one another. Thank you for our marriages. Thank you for the gift of marriage. It is a beautiful design that you have created for us, and we give you all the glory that you are due. And we pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. That concludes LifePoint Church's podcast. For more information about our church, visit sharethelife.org.